Hi, I'm Brian Hart. I'm Karen Holman. And you're listening to Cool Sheets. In the coming half hour, you'll hear all about 10 things that we're currently enjoying and using in our lives. Each of us has exactly two minutes to dive in and tell you about one of the things we've chosen. It might be a book, an app, a gadget, a place, anything goes. At the end of our two minutes, boom, time's up and we go back and forth until we've shared 10 cool sheets with you. Cool Sheets is all about fun, interesting, and or useful things to enhance your life. We broadcast from our studios in Salem, Oregon on KMUZ Turner, 88.5 and 100.7 FM, or streaming online at KMUZ.org every Sunday from 9 to 9.30 a.m. Our website, coolsheets.cool, yes, that's coolsheets.cool, has info about all the cool sheets that we list every week if you want to find out more details about them. You can also interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Here we go with this week's Cool Sheets. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Hart. I'm Karen Holman. And I will go first. My first cool sheet is a YouTube series. So this is on the Epicurious YouTube channel, but this is a series. So you can go to their playlist and check out four levels. I really love this series. This is the first one that I've really dove into for Epicurious. And they have a level one chef, a level two chef, and a level three chef, and then a scientist for a level four. And it's fascinating. They edit it together so the one, two, and three cook in stages at the same time, even though they're filmed separately. You get to watch it happen. So you can see the differences, which I just love. I love this show. For example, I'll take tacos. Level one has store-bought ground turkey. And level two uses an 80-20 fat mix of ground beef. And level three chef, who's usually a professional chef for many years uses ribeye steak. And then they go through the whole process of what they do. And and you can kind of see what the differences are just yourself and kind of discover. I noticed at level one, everything is store-bought. The taco seasoning mix, the sour cream, the pre-grated cheese, and everything like that. And, you know... No judging, just noticing. And then level two does things a little bit differently, and level three does things even more differently. I have noticed subtle differences. The level one's very chill and knows, doesn't take themselves too seriously, has a good time. Level two is really cocky. And maybe this is creative editing, but they kind of think they know everything. Whereas level three, they know everything. They're just very confident. And they're actually a better teacher. And it's not condescending when they're explaining their process. It's super interesting. And at the end, the scientist goes about the science behind what makes level one, two, and three and actually confirms why they're different, how store-bought grated cheese has anti-caking agents and things like that. And homemade salsa is better. All these things. Check out four levels. Oh, wow. I love it. I really love it too. Yeah. Especially because I see myself in <laughs> mo- level two? No. more times in level two than I'd like to admit. Oh, that's funny. Especially the kind of snobby cockiness sometimes <laughs> that I have. Uh, even if it's in my head, I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Sometimes I don't do it in my head. <laughs> you're talking about tacos, and I'm like, Oh, dang. I'm like level 1.2. Like, <laughs> I think the one thing I do grate my own cheese. <laughs> there you go. But it's interesting yeah. because they don't even judge on the show. They're just like, because the, the, the bottom line is they're having fun and they love their food. Yeah. Level one, level two, and level three. They show them eating and they're like, ah, just like I always make. It's wonderful. But it does say, you know what? Maybe 
try a couple different of these ideas yeah. and change it up a little bit and kind of level up, even though they don't push it. It's really cool how they do it. They're very non-judgmental. I like it. And I really love it. Yeah, I could learn tons of different episodes, tidbits. 13 different Ooh. foods of breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all kinds of stuff. Cool. All right. My first cool sheet has to do with the time of this recording. We're, I don't know, mid-September-ish. And I always get really excited when I see the leaf colors start to change. And I think about my goal of someday going to the northeast of the United States to see the fall colors. I will make this happen. It still hasn't, but it's, I'm going to do it. And this is something that could really help. Um, I stumbled upon this randomly, and it is a peak foliage map. And this is actually on the Smoky Mountains website, but they do this for the whole United States. And because it can be tricky, it's going to be the, the leaves are going to change color, different parts of the United States at different times. And so this has a, this is 2019 right now. And so every year they do this and they have the fall foliage prediction map. They're overlaying this, they're pulling information from the NOAA and then they layer it together and they make their predictions. For example, early September, you're just going to be barely making changes but by October 5th, then you're going to have some prime seasons like in Minnesota and certain parts of New York. That said, if you are going down to Great Smoky Mountains National Park, um, you actually want to go in early November. So it just depends on what you're doing. And I did want to point out, you know, the Pacific Northwest, I'm like, oh, whatever. I really want to go to the Northeast. It's actually very beautiful here. And... Another place you can go is anywhere that has aspens. Uh, so Colorado and northern Arizona, different places, the aspen change is quite stunning. They turn this golden color. And aspens, they have these round leaves that they kind of, they, it sounds like, I don't know, it's just beautiful to see, beautiful to hear, beautiful to see. And so here is this website, Peak Foliage Map. That's cool. I saw that same map this week, uh, but I didn't, oh, awesome. I didn't have it on my cool sheet, so that's fantastic. Yeah. And I also was fascinated and wanted. Oh, I, same thing. I've always wanted to go to the East Coast and yeah. check it out because it's so it's so it's just so famous over there, I guess. But yeah, sometimes in our own backyard, we have our own beauty. So yes, it's very cool. Okay, my next cool sheet is an article, and this is by Outside Magazine by Brad Stolberg, and it is called We've Reached Peak Wellness, and Most of It is Nonsense. So this is another thing. A lot of the times my cool sheets, I see myself of self-evaluation and reflection in articles, and I, but I'm open to taking a look at myself and this, these new ideas and things like this. So across the country, people are always looking for the new cure, the new thing to do, the new magic pill or whatever. And they're getting more and more ridiculous, kind of woo-woo. And a lot of them are unfounded with real scientific evidence. There's uh, tarot card reading, I guess, is now really popular in the West Coast. Uh, there's brain training and detox IV lounges. There's the eight crystals for better energy and things like this. The other thing about it is it's always something new and always the big thing. And sometimes it goes retro back to an old belief, like crystals aren't new, but it had this resurgence. And I am definitely victim to some of this. I always have that philosophy of if one part of it's true, then maybe it's worth doing. And 
you, it can, if it can't hurt you, it's worth doing so. But I like this because this just talks about the actual facts. And it broke it down into, I think, six really fundamentals. Physical, move your body, don't eat crap, and don't diet either. Emotional, don't hide your feelings, get help when you need it. Social, it's not all about productivity. Relationships matter too. Cognitive, follow your interests, do deep focused work. Spiritual, creative process, be open to awe. So it's not religious necessarily, but just sensing the awe moments. Environmental, care for your space. So it goes detailed into it, but I'm out of time. Definitely check out this article. We've reached peak wellness, and most of it is nonsense. Uh, I dig it. Yeah, I'm the same. But, you know, I will say something about things like tarot cards, and, and you can get these angel cards and pick those, fairy cards. And the thing about those is what they can do is they can just make you look at something from a different point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and, it. And, and a lot of it's a placebo, right? If it yes. works, if it makes you feel better, if you believe it, you know, and that is a debatable part of faith, you know, and religion is that it's just this driving desire and hope that makes you better. That truly does make you better. So, mm-hmm. and tarot cards can do that. Other things can do it. But as far as like hard science, it's not really there. Well, right. Yeah. 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 So, and and again, like I said, I do a lot of these woo-woo things. And a lot of times uh, people either think I'm crazy or I don't even tell them. <laughs> <laughs> and But it's, it's a great article to kind of keep things all in perspective. Yeah. Too. I like it. Okay. My next cool sheet is, this is a website and it is called fueleconomy.gov. And I specifically looked for this because I have heard different people tell me different things over the years about the best car to get and all of this with fuel economy. And I was, I learned a lot. I was fascinated by this website. And there are some things that I was really surprised about. So I wanted to talk about this as a really great resource and then highlight a few of the things that I learned from it. Uh, I would just start out with saying kind of the go-to for a lot of people is to go get a Prius. And it makes total sense. You know, you're saving gasoline and um, it's also, you know, this cool technology of the hybrid and all of that. Okay. So, uh, but most of us do have who have cars, do have gas engine regular cars. And the thing is, is as tempting it is to go get a new car, it is much better to keep driving an old car and keep it going. So an analysis that was done by Toyota, which I thought was interesting, a car manufacturer did this, showed that 28% of a car's life energy usage and impact on the earth is before it's even purchased. So that means that as they're building it, and then as they are, you know, there's all that transportation across the seas and then back, and then driving it up and down the I-5 corridor or whatever, so much energy goes into that. And it that it was 28% was staggering. Another study was a little less than that, but anyway. Um, and then there's the hybrid myth that you are really helping the environment. Engine-wise, it is actually the worst car because of all the different mechanisms you have to have, the mining that has to be done. Electric cars are better, but if you're charging it, make sure you're not charging it from a source that is from a coal-burning source of energy. So many different things to learn from fueleconomy.gov. Oh, man, this is 
something that I'm so interested in is all these misnomers of being going green yes. and thing and how it's not actually. I wanted to do, uh, have someone talk about that at TEDx Salem forever. I know. And I was so close this year and, <gasps> it, and it actually didn't, I don't think it's going to happen. Super fascinating. Yes. I'll definitely check that out. And yeah, the it's staggering when you all the misinformation. Indeed. All right, my next school sheet is a short video. This is on Vimeo, and it is called Treasures in the Trash. And uh, I love this video. Like all good, really good videos, it's more about the story than just the initial subject. But the subject's fascinating, too. So for 34 years, this New York sanitation worker, Nelson Molina, collected items in East Harlem in the trash. So he would dig through people's trash instead of just throwing it on the truck right away. He would he would have the system down so he could just pick it up and kind of clunk it on the pavement and he, if he'd hear, he would hear what and he could tell what's in it. Ooh, there's something in there. He'd hear a clang or or something heavy, the weight of it, and he could tell and he'd just start digging in it and he'd pull out this amazing vase or this really rare toy or a whole collection. And he created this entire museum at the station house. It almost takes over the entire place. He started in his office just collecting a few things and then he expanded and, and the people had to move out of his office and he and it expanded into the, his, his office, the next office, the locker room, and then the, almost the entire garage. I'm sure the trucks still are somewhere, but, and, and I always wonder how, how his coworker feels while he's just, they're like, come on, let's go. Let's get this done. But they, as, on the video, they don't seem to mind. They just love this guy. He's a total New Yorker, just that that stereotypical look and talk and feel, but in all the best ways. You're just immediately captivated by his personality. And to come into this, and they call it a museum, even though it's not open to the public because it's a working house still, But and they're trying to raise money. This film is actually helping to try to get it into a museum. The collection is staggering. There's things everywhere some of it's super valuable which also reflects on the things that us as the united states how we have way more disposable income and we throw away things that are worth hundreds of dollars it's just a fascinating character study society study definitely check out treasures in the trash oh i want to see that if even just for a moment pull up that video and see just just a visual oh yeah and it's on the picture that i shared on facebook so you oh, can cool. just check the just a screenshot of the area it's a super short video too it's less than 10 minutes so it's a short one that's just wonderful awesome lots of layers in that trash video very very cool all right, moving right along. My third cool sheet. I'm going to be talking about a book, and this is called Einstein and Buddha, The Parallel Sayings. This is a lovely gem of a book. Um, it came out in 2002, so it's been a little while, but I just reread it this weekend, or I can't say I reread the whole thing, but it's one of those books that you can pick up and just read snippets of, which I love. So according to the author, the purpose of this book is to introduce parallels between modern science and Eastern mysticism in a straightforward way that encourages the reader to examine the parallels and see what wonders they reveal. And he goes on to say that science and religion are neither entirely different, nor are they entirely the same. And what he wants to happen from this book is to look beyond 
antagonism that has traditionally existed towards a new era of harmony and integration. So what this book does is first there is a preface and it concisely describes misconceptions. Science is based solely on fact and religion is based solely on spiritual values. And that this simplistic viewpoint doesn't reflect what actually happens in both science and religion. So me as a scientist, and I'm also fairly spiritual, um, I really, um, I could relate to this. And this preface alone is worth reading, just a couple paragraphs of it, because it can make you think about things differently. And then it goes into a part where it gives background stories on all the actors in the play, essentially all the physicists, and then all these Eastern mystics. And which is also really fun to read, just these little snippets of history. And then you go into these parallel things. So he'll choose something from Albert Einstein says, the high destiny of the individual is to serve rather than to rule. And then from the Bhagavad Gita, he pulled a quote that says, by merely doing actions in service, thou shalt attain perfection. They essentially say the same thing. And he does this with many, many different topics. It's a wonderful book. Einstein and Buddha, The Parallel Sayings. I have not heard about that. I want to talk about it. We'll talk after the show because I got to move on. Yes. Sounds fascinating. My next cool sheet is a cognitive bias. So that sounds like a really weird cool sheet, but it is a cool sheet. This is The Illusion of Asymmetric Insight. I also was reading a book that will probably be a future cool sheet, but I haven't finished it yet. But just this one little snippet example that Malcolm Gladwell used, I was fascinated by and I started reading more about it. Illusion of Asymmetric Insight. They took this experiment where they asked volunteers to complete words with missing letters. So it would say S blank blank R. And then it could be that could be star, spur, stir, and so on. And they had different examples, a bunch of letters. And then they would give them to other people and they would look at the words that they formed with these missing letters and immediately make an assumption on that person's character. Oh, this person sounds very conceited. This person sounds like an athlete. This person so sometimes they were good and sometimes they were negative, but they immediately could tell that person's character. Front to back, they knew this person, they could fit, they've got them all figured out. Then they took the same test and then they asked them, What do you think? Uh, do these words that you pick define your character? And they're like, Absolutely not. I just picked a word, the first word that came to my mind. I'm much more complex than that. That's nothing about my personality. And they didn't really put together that they contradicted. And, and, it, and so this cognitive bias is we always think we know. Another person better than they would know us. We assume it's really easy. And it sounds fascinating and just fun and interesting, but it can get dark quick. Conservatives always think they know more about liberals than, than they do. Same thing, vice versa. This gets to a very dark place very quickly. And so when I learned more about it, I could, again, self-reflect and make sure that I'm doing this a little bit less, at least. Illusion of asymmetric insight. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I try to do that all the time, too. And yeah. I'm sure I'm, I'm not, but I try. Yeah, it's just fascinating. <laughs> you know, how do you walk a mile in someone's shoes if you think you already know right. where they've been? Right. Yep. Super reality. Uh, I love it. <laughs> okay. Uh, my next cool sheet. I have a video. Oh, what can I say about this? Okay. First, uh, I will just tell you what it is. It's a, it's a video of Yosemite Falls. Okay, that's fine. 
But I will tell you more about that. First, Yosemite National Park is a beautiful place, and that could be its own cool sheet. Just go visit it. It is peaceful, even though tons of people go there. It's magical flying over it. I've flown over and just looking down, and it's just a really wonderful place. And there are tons of photos out there, all of them beautiful. For example, my computer background screen right now is, is Yosemite. But this video on YouTube highlights the beauty of Yosemite in a way I had never seen in my entire life. Also, it is, I would call, a meditative work of art, really. And it is all just because someone was at the right place at the right time. And specifically, that someone is photographer Greg Harlow. He was up at Glacier Point in Yosemite, which is across the valley from Yosemite Falls. And he captured a real-time video It actually looks like it's in slow motion when you look at it. It is so mesmerizing. But if you look closely, it is actually happening in real time. But this is what has happened is the water is falling and the mist is rising and the sun is coming at it at the right angle, the right time of day. And the entire waterfall is a rainbow. As a side note, rainbows can only be seen if the sun is exactly 42 degrees from you. It's this strange thing about the way that the light is diffracting off of the little water droplets. And so you never see a rainbow during noon, for example. So anyway, this happened that the sun was 42 degrees from this photographer. And you can just, because it's just a video of just that, But this rainbow is like moving and ebbing and flowing, and you can just sit there and meditate to it. I just sat there and stared at it for the entire thing, and then I watched it again. It's so beautiful. I highly recommend this video of the Yosemite Falls rainbow. That's awesome. I knew exactly what you were talking about because I saw that too. That's so great. It's so cool. So I was like, oh, what's she going to reveal? The really, really cool part. Oh, that's great. Okay, my last cool sheet is a human, and that human is Darren Brown. So I first heard about him, maybe, Karen, you did too. When we were in Peru, our new friend Craig could not stop talking about Darren Brown. He's this illusionist who specializes in mentalism, and he just kept talking all these examples. And I actually wrote that name down to check him out, and I think I really quickly YouTubed him when we got home. Then I got busy and just never thought much of it. And he wasn't really well known in the United States, but now he has, as of 2018, he has three Netflix specials on streaming on Netflix. And so I watched all three one night, all in a row. They're about an hour each, and they're fascinating. He is now my new favorite mentalist, illusionist right now. He's so cool. I love mentalism. That's kind of uh, manipulation of like mind control, hypnosis, and uses various tricks and also real methods to get things out of people or plant ideas into people. It's super fascinating. So he does Miracle, which he talks about faith healing, and he does faith healing, and he tells people that, I don't know how to faith heal, but here we go. Boom, you're healed. And they fall down, and they feel better. It's amazing. But the two other ones are even more impressive push where he uses a series of compliance tests and first he just tells this person to put vegan on a hors d'oeuvre that's actually meat-based and it goes a series and series and series it leads up to that person pushing someone off of a roof to their death and he tries to talk them into doing that you have to watch the show to see if he succeeds and the net the last one is called sacrifice where he takes somebody that's a conservative right wing that hates illegal aliens and tries to talk him into eventually 
taking a bullet for an illegal immigrant. You have to check it out to see if he's successful. It's amazing. He has many more amazing things. Darren Brown. Wow. Oh, whoa. Whoa. My my jaw was like dropping yeah, this whole time. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. My last cool sheet is an event. And this is the Dr. Seuss exhibition. This is hitting the road in fall of 2019, and it is going to be this large interactive exhibit. And part of its goal is to immerse visitors into some of the most iconic books by Dr. Seuss, of course. The first one is opening in Toronto in Canada, uh, but then it will eventually make its way to Boston and Seattle and Houston and other cities around the United States and Canada. It looks amazing. They showed some a couple photos from it. And while it is, there's some essence of entertaining. They also, I wanted to point out, they want to teach and highlight the messages that are in many of Dr. Seuss's books. For example, the Lorax teaches environmental stewardship. And so this really wants people to rethink um, what they are doing to the environment and everything that's happening now and what they can do. And then uh, the book, The Sneetches and Other Stories. That teaches tolerance and individuality to things that are so important in our society right now. So again, in this fun, super groovy, awesome way to um, just instill that into people. So another thing they're doing is that the exhibit will change in every city. So you could actually visit it in different cities and it's going to be different with different themes. For example, how the Grinch Stole Christmas will appear in one of them that's going to be around the holidays. And then just to go back at some of the pictures, so the Lorax room, you can walk through a forest of truffula trees, and it looks so trippy and just super cool and fun. I'm definitely going to try to make it when it hits Seattle, the Dr. Seuss exhibition. Who doesn't love Dr. Seuss? He's pretty universal. Really? Yeah. That's cool. All right. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cool Sheets. You can find out more about all the cool sheets we listed by going to our website, coolsheets.cool, and looking for the links. That's coolsheets.cool. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave comments for us on Facebook or email us at info at coolsheets.cool. Bye.